Welcome to the Pastor Nick Santo Podcast, a podcast designed to help you live closer to Jesus. We hope that God uses it to encourage and empower you in His plan for your life. Now let's get into today's content. I actually don't have a, a text for you to turn to. I'm going to kind of be uh, all over the place. Um, I want to share with you some truth. So um, our springboard text is, is again, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, where it says that, um, that man was made in the image of God, that we are, we are distinct, we're unique, we're set apart from uh, every other creature. And I think the longer that you, you live in this, this world, this life, especially as a Christian with your eyes open, you realize that we're different. We're not, we're not deer, we're not cattle, <laughs> you know, uh, that there's something about us, uh, a lot of some things about us that make us very different. And so uh, um, we've talked about basically the fact that man is, is relational, uh, and that's something that comes from God. Man is rational, the fact that we think, we have cognition, um, that comes from God. And today I want to talk about uh, what it means that we're emotional. Uh, and this, this is where it kind of gets interesting, especially with men, because we, we don't like to think of ourselves as emotional creatures. You know, that was given to the other half. <laughs> you know? um, and, uh, you know, I'm going to just say, uh, just in the teaching, I want to say, you know, this, this is men's discipleship because this does go up on the podcast and different things. And, uh, you know, sometimes in men's group, I'll say something that I would never say in mixed company. And if I don't say it in the teaching, then someone's going to listen to this and say, that guy's screwed up, you know. And that's true. I am screwed up. Um, but I don't, want, I don't want everybody to know that. <laughs> yeah, just you. <laughs> but anyways... But I do want you guys to know that that um, that I uh, that you are valued. You are valued by God. Uh, you're valued by me. And you know what makes me get up in the morning and gets me excited about doing this is the the opportunity to add value to you. And I know that looking at these things and looking at these truths, it's not just for the sake of our intelligence or our understanding, but uh, it reaches deep. It reaches into the way we live our lives and what our lives look like, the way we think, the way we f- even the way we feel. It, this touches us and it adds value to us, you know. So uh, my prayer this morning is that as we look at these things, uh, that happens, that God meets with us in a special way. Now, now when God uh, made this machine called man, uh, he designed some intensely intricate systems. You know, when you think about uh, the muscular skeletal system that we have, we have 206 bones in our bodies uh, that are all carefully placed and tied together with ligaments and uh, joints, and then the muscles that cover that. And you just think about what that system entails. It's, it's, it's intense. It's intricate, and God made that. Uh, you think about the nervous system. There are over 100,000 miles of nerves in your brain, just one little part, like that's just in your brain, a hundred thousand miles of nerves that are uh, that are sending um, that are sending signals at like I don't know two hundred I think it was like two hundred sixty eight thousand miles an hour, like through back and forth throughout your brain, you know, and a trillion synapses and connections that are happening at, at any given times. The nervous system just this insanely intricate thing, way beyond what we could even comprehend or understand. The circulatory system, over 60,000 miles of veins that are 
pumping blood that are delivering nutrients and oxygen and minerals throughout your body, supplying, measuring, distributing, keeping things in balance, you know, all without us even thinking about it, a system designed by God. Think about the digestive system, the ability you can eat a donut and your body knows what to do with that. (laughs) You know, it can figure it out, you know, and it can separate between carbohydrate and fat and protein and and then know what to do in the different things. And, oh, this much can go here, but then the rest has to go this way and it has to be converted. And, you know, it's it's unbelievable what the digestive system is is able to accomplish. Think about the immune system, the fact that, that our body is constantly measuring what is supposed to be in us and what's not supposed to be in us, and then it knows how to separate what's not and do something with it. And I mean, just these amazing systems that God has created in this machine that we take for granted every day and look in the mirror and just go, you know, but all those systems, all of those things are tangible things. They're uh, observable, they're visible, they're measurable. Uh, we can see them, we can describe them, we can quantify them. All of those things are, are kind of in the physical realm. But there's another system that God has given to us, uh, and it's part of the, the GI, I call it the God's image, not gastrointestinal, but the God's image uh, aspect of it that he's given to us. Uh, and, and this system is invisible and it's unobservable, and it's intangible, and it's immeasurable. And what that is, is what we're talking about this morning, is this emotional system that God has given to us, uh, or the fact that we are emotional. And what it literally means is the ability to feel emotion. And so the ability to feel things like joy, elation, confidence, love, peace, affection, gratitude, hatred, Grief or sadness, anger, disappointment, fear, nervousness, loneliness, anxiety, depression, embarrassment, shame, guilt, insufficiency, to to feel unmotivated or motivated, to feel betrayal or betrayed, to feel disrespected, to feel abused, to feel pain, not physical pain, but emotional pain. I mean, and the list is endless. I mean, I could just go on and on and on and describe feelings. Then you compound those things. So now I'm feeling stress and anger. And that's a whole new emotion when you put those two things together. And I mean, as intricate as the nervous system or the skeletal system or any of the other systems, the emotional system is an amazingly intricate uh, thing The difference is just that we can't see it and it's harder to understand. Now, our emotions, humanly, or the emotional system that we have, in large part, is what sets us apart from the animal kingdom. Uh, We have a, a larger database and a larger spectrum of emotional ability. Now, I know a dog can feel things. You know, but not like a human does, not to the same level or, or with the same uh, amount of things that, 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 uh, that we do. We're different. And, and so a, a major component of what makes up the soul, this part of us, this invisible part of us, is our emotions. In fact, uh, the soul often is defined or explained as the seat of the emotions, the place where emotions take place. It happens in the soul. Activity happens in the physical, but life is really experienced in the emotional. You know, that's the emotions are what interpret what's going on in the physical. So when Jesus said that what profit is it that a man gains the whole world and yet loses his soul, 
Part of what Jesus was saying there is that we could experience everything that there is, but if we don't have a soul and an emotional capacity to interpret and comprehend what we're experiencing or possessing, then what's the point, right? So the soul, the emotions is what sets us apart. And it's a big part of what it means to be made in the image of God, that is our capacity to feel emotion. Now, the reason we feel emotions is because God feels emotions. We're made in his image, and thus because he feels emotion, we also feel emotions. Interesting, anybody know, uh, quickly, I won't take a long time on it, but anybody know the first indication of emotion or feeling in the Bible, what it was? What was the first emotion that was felt in the Bible. And I'm going to and I'm going to say what I'm going to say you can't say joy because that's obvious Adam was joyful in the garden, but he didn't know it because that's all he ever was. <laughs> you know. So, what's the first one? Anybody know what it was? You're close, but no, it's even before that. What what did you say? No. One more. No. You know what it was? It was loneliness. The first feeling was loneliness. Because God God caused all the animals to pass before Adam, and he put in him awareness that there was none that was fit for him. Yep. So even before the fall, before shame, before any of that, there was a sense of loneliness. And I believe that was intentional by God, because though God is sufficient in and of himself, and he lacks nothing, he longed for or desired a free will being that he could have relationship with. And that was the reason why he made man in the first place. And so God gave Adam that sense. He let Adam feel the very thing that motivated him to create the whole of existence right at the very beginning. And so there's a connection between God's emotion and man's emotion. We feel because God feels. Now, when we read throughout the Bible, we see emotions and God together often. We see God in the Bible feeling regret and grief. In fact, both of those things are in one verse, Genesis 6, 6, when, when right before the flood, God said that he saw that man was corrupted completely. And it says that he regretted in his heart that he made man, and that he was grieved. Those are two emotions, to feel regret and to feel grief. Uh, God did uh, at that time. We see God in the Bible feeling anger. We see him feeling sympathy, deep sadness, betrayal, love, affection, joy. Like these are all things that God feels that we have recorded for us in Scripture. Interestingly, it's in the person of Christ, God becoming a man, and walking among us in human flesh, that we see God experiencing a whole other set of emotions that he could not experience in heaven. In the person of Christ, God experienced confusion. Think about it. In heaven, God, could, God knows all things. He could never feel confusion in heaven. But in the person of Christ, he felt confusion. When, when Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That was God feeling confusion. God felt, in, in Christ, God felt depression. Jesus said, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And he sweat great drops of blood. That, that couldn't be in glory. He felt shame. When the sin of mankind was placed upon Jesus, God knows after that what it feels like to feel shame. God felt abandonment. When Jesus said the same thing, my God, why have you forsaken me to feel what that feels like? Interesting, Hebrews 4.15 
says that we have a high priest who can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities because he himself also suffered. So God not only has given us the capacity to feel as he feels, but he came into our world to feel what we feel in a fallen condition. And so there's an emotional attachment between the heart of man and the heart of God. And that's why emotionality is so very important. Now, what is the purpose of the emotional system? Why did God give this? What's the design? And it's important for us to know this, the purpose for emotions. Because if you don't know the purpose for emotions, you're going to get yourself into some trouble (laughs) in this life. Because emotions are powerful things, and they're powerful motivators. And if you don't understand them, you're you're destined to get yourself into some trouble. And so the emotional system, and listen, this is very important this morning that you catch this, is that the emotions are a system of indicators, Emotions are indicators that, when properly understood or interpreted, provide context and meaning to a situation and then prompt us to either seek action or take action. They're indicators. We are wired for emotional stability. Human beings are wired to be even keel. That's normal. And when our emotions rise or fall, there's something inside of us. There's an indication to get back to normal. Some action needs to be taken. We're driven to seek resolution. Let me give you some examples right out of the Bible. When Adam felt lonely in the Garden of Eden, there was a circumstance, there was no partner for him, that created an emotion, he felt loneliness, And that drove him to action. He began to search. Is that a woman? Is that a woman? Is that, that's close. (laughs) Is that, that, but that's, he began to search. So the action that came out of the emotion was to search. We read about Noah. And Hebrews chapter 11, verse 7, tells us something that Genesis doesn't tell us about the ark building. Hebrews 11 tells us that Noah was moved with fear. To the building of an ark. Hebrews 11, 7. Noah, by faith, being moved by fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his family. So God spoke and said, hey, there's a flood coming. That was the circumstance. The emotional response was fear. A flood? <laughs> I don't have gills. I don't have a snorkel big enough for that. You know, I need, so what did it do? It motivated him unto action. There was something that had to happen because of the emotion. We read a little bit later on of Hannah, who is Samuel's mother. And and she was in great despair. That was the emotion because she was being persecuted by Elkanah's other wife. She was barren, and so she felt overlooked, and she felt forsaken by God. And those things created a despair in her. The emotion was despair, and it sought resolution. And so there was nothing she could do except bring it to God, and that's what she did. She brought it to God. David, this is a good one, after he had run for years and fled in the wilderness, finally, there's been some resolution. He's the king now. His enemies are dead. Everything is going in his favor. Everything he touches is being blessed and successful. He's waited a long time to get to this position, and he's finally there. So his situation provoked an emotion. The emotion was great joy. 
deep gratitude. He felt victory. He felt confidence. And, and it led him to action. You know what the action was? Is that he danced with all of his strength before the Lord. He had to do something. The emotion was pulling a response out of him. We read about David again. I think it's David. Actually, I don't know for sure. It's Psalm 42. Whoever wrote Psalm 42. They were feeling depression. And there's no reason for it. You read the psalm, and two times in the psalm, the psalmist says, Why are you cast down, O my soul? I I can't even figure it out, but I'm depressed. Where's this depression coming from? Where's this heaviness coming from? I don't even know. But they were feeling depressed for an unknown situation, and, and they were driven to try to figure out how to fix it. And not knowing how, they said, why are you cast down, O my soul? It drove them to prayer. When David sinned with Bathsheba, and for a year and a half, he ran from God because he was ashamed of his life. His emotional system was kind of broken. He couldn't feel a lot of things for that time. He confesses that in Psalm 51. The one thing that he could feel, though, was guilt and shame, and it manifested in anger. Remember when, remember when Nathan the prophet came to David and he told him that story about the rich man and the lamb? You could read about it in uh, 2 Samuel chapter 12. The rich man comes and takes the lamb and the whole thing, and it says that David's anger was kindled. The anger was the emotion. The anger was the byproduct of his guilt and shame and sin and all the rest of it, you know? And, and, and so when he heard the story, the anger came out and he said, kill that man. And Nathan turned the sword on him and said, hey, David, it's you. Look in the mirror. You're the guy that did it, you know, the whole thing. And it brought David to great repentance, you know, the whole thing. But, but what happens is emotion creates in us a, 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 a response. There's got to be something that's done. Now, here's what's important to understand is that emotions let us know that action is necessary, but they don't tell us the right thing to do. <laughs> and that's extremely important to understand is that emotions let us know that action is necessary, but they don't tell us what to do. They are monitors and indicators, not counselors and teachers. It's kind of like the check engine light in your car. You're driving and all of a sudden the little light comes on. And, and what that is, it's just letting you know that there's a problem. It does not tell you what the problem is or how to fix it. It causes you to search and seek out answers. Now, the goal when the check engine light turns on is not to shut the check engine light off. The goal is to fix the problem that's causing the check engine light to come on. There's a million ways to shut the light off. I have a friend who used to keep a pack of stickers in his console, and when the light would come on, he would just put the sticker on it. He would be like, oh, <laughs> he's like, that fixes that problem. You know, you can shut the light off a lot of ways. You can bypass the sensor that is causing the light to go on, that's telling you that there's a problem deeper inside the engine, and you could get the light to go off. You could trick the system, but you still didn't fix the problem. See, the goal isn't to just shut the light off, bypass it, and so it also is with emotions. The goal, and this is important, it's not to satisfy the emotion's agitation, but rather it's to address the need that the emotion is 
pointing us towards. And there's a world of difference between shutting down the emotional response. You can do that with chemicals. You can do that, you know, a lot of different ways. You can do that with projects. You can do that with running away. You know, you could shut down the emotional response. There's a world of difference between that and addressing the reason why the emotions, emotions are there. And thus, the emotions are there to serve us. They're there to tell us something, to, to get us to search out the answer. But... Once they do that, then we have a responsibility, and the responsibility is that we must control that emotion, not allow that emotion to control us. So what do we do with emotions? What do we do with them when we start to, to feel something? Number one, and this is huge for men. I wouldn't be saying this if it was a group of women because I wouldn't need to, you know, is that number one is that we must embrace them. See, for men, we are really good at shutting them down. That's putting a sticker over the check engine light. We're good at that. We can compartmentalize our lives. We can kind of figure out what area of our life the emotion is coming from. And we can just not go there. You know, <laughs> I know this is because of my marriage. And so I'm just not married today. And, and we can walk through the whole day and, and we can live like, like as though we're not. You know, we, we have that ability. But all we've done is put a sticker over a check engine light. God is allowing us to feel an emotion because there's something that's going to cause a problem if we don't deal with it. And so the first thing we've got to be willing to do as men is embrace it. When there's something going on on the emotional level inside of us, we can't just dismiss it and say, well, that's just not manly for me to feel that right now. God put that there. That's there for a reason. So we we can't shut it down. We can't just dismiss it. And we can't just cover it up. We can cover up our emotions by, you know, distracting ourselves with other things or whatever God uh, does. So we have to embrace it. But then here's the second thing, okay? After we embrace it, okay, God, you're trying to tell me something here. Now, listen, the emotions need an interpreter, all right? The emotions need an interpreter. Emotions are invisible. The soul is invisible. It's intangible. And we are not equipped with the proper means of figuring the emotional response out on our own. So emotions must be brought to the person of God and to the word of God in order to be interpreted and understood so that we know what it is that we're supposed to do. There are always several options of dealing with an issue, right? When Adam felt lonely, all right, he could have settled for an orangutan. That was an option. I feel lonely. I must need a partner. Come on over. <laughs> April. He, he named her April. You know. <laughs> he named everything, right? <laughs> I just thought of that. I should hold those things in, you know, but. <laughs> you settle for an orangutan or do you wait upon eve see there's an option there when noah was moved with fear because the judgment of god was coming he had options he could start a militia and he could take out the evil he could become a freedom fighter and well i'm i'm feeling this fear there's a problem in my world it's eliciting the judgment of god i've got to do something about it I've got to legislate. I've got to, got to band people together and get people on my side. I've got to start a blog. You know, I've got to get this out of me. He, he could have made a bunker, been a, do, a prepper, 
And he could have made himself a little aquarium that would have filled up with water when the flood, the flood came and try to waterproof it. You, nothing stops water. So he could have done that. He had options. But God had to tell him, no, this is how you handle it. You build an ark. And it's this big and this size. And it was, it was specific and it was important. Hannah, when she couldn't have a child and she was feeling depressed, what could she have done? Well, she could have said, well, let's just do adoption. You know, that'll satisfy the need. That will bring the emotion back to its even keel, at least as best as I can handle on myself. Or let's do in vitro. Come on, Samuel, let's go, go to, you know, whatever. But, but God was trying to bring her to the place where she would just simply say, God, if you give me a child, I'll give him to you. And aha, that's it. That's why I allowed the despair in your life to bring you to that place so that you would surrender to me and I can move a nation and change the world through what I want to do in your life. But if, but if it's not brought to an interpreter, then we're left to deal with it on our own. David, when he was feeling depressed or whoever wrote Psalm 42, they could have said, well, obviously there's a chemical imbalance somewhere. So I need to balance that out or figure out what the chemical levels are and just get on something or I'll get a little help or you know, I'll just get through this season or something. No, no, that came from God. And the psalmist recognized and said, you are the health of my countenance. Psalm 42, verse 14, the last verse of the psalm. It's you, you, you're doing something. What is it? When David was feeling the shame and guilt and anger of his sin, he could have blocked that out with alcohol. We know that was an option because that's how he got Uriah killed, got him drunk Remember? So he could have just said, well, I'll just get myself drunk every day. And that's how I'll deal with the, the shame and the guilt of what I'm feeling. But ultimately, the shame and the anger and the rage was designed to bring him to repentance. But he needed an interpreter. He needed someone to explain that to him, not a human someone. So my point is, if we follow our emotions without God-inspired interpretation of them, we're going to mess things up. Because emotions are elusive and they're hard to define. See, David was feeling guilt, but it manifested in anger. Those are two completely different emotions. And it's hard to figure that out. Sometimes my wife, she'll spend more on the groceries than is allowed in the budget. And and what's the response in me? There's frustration and maybe anger right? But, but if I really stop and say, God, what is this that's going on inside of me? The Holy Spirit might say, you know what it really is, is you're feeling, you're feeling like you're not good enough. You're feeling like you're not providing right. Or you're feeling fear. You're afraid that, you don't, you know, that, that you're going to run out of money. You, th- this frustration, this anger that you're feeling, dig a little deeper, you're going to find out it's not what you think it is. There's some other things going on underneath the surface. And it could be that with any situation that we go through in our life. God forbid that if one of our our kids would get on drugs or one of our daughters would have an eating disorder, you know, that's going to provoke some some serious emotions inside of us. And we can do a lot of things with those emotions. We could block it out and say, I'm just not even going to think about this. I don't want to deal with it. I'm just going to pretend it's not there. I don't know how, so I'm not going to. I'm just shut it down. We could do that if we wanted. We could put a patch on it. We could just say to our kid, to, to our, our addicted son or our, our uh, deceived daughter, we could come to them and just say, hey, listen, if you don't shape up, then X, Y, and Z is going to happen. So fix it right now. 
And we can just try to strong arm things back into what we call normal. I just don't want to feel the pressure that I don't want this problem here. And so I'm going to fix it the way that I know how right now. See, there's a lot of different ways we could do it. But, or, the, or God, we, we say, God, what do I do? And God says, you're going to have to look this in the face. And you're going to have to deal with it. And you're going to need a whole lot of grace and a whole lot of help and a whole lot of Holy Spirit. And it's going to take a whole lot of time. And if you want to handle this the right way and come through it the right way on the other side, then here we go, step by step, let's start. But it takes an embracing and a willingness to, to, to walk with God through it because it's going to be way heavier than what we can handle on our own. All this to say is that if we don't control our emotions, our emotions will control us and ultimately they'll ruin our lives. Emotions make great servants, but they make terrible masters. It's like the little girl who came to her mother one day and said, Mommy, I love you, but I don't meet the height restrictions to ride your emotional roller coaster today. (laughs) We have to control our emotions. So how do our emotions serve us? How do they serve us? We need them. We need an interpreter. We bring them to God. We walk with him through, and then he, he's going to use them. So how do these things serve us? First of all, God uses our, our emotions to conform us unto Christ-likeness. All right? The emotional difficulties that we face, whether it be the guilt of our own failures or whether it be the pain of having something go on in the lives of one of our kids or the difficulty of a strain in our marriage and and it it upsets us and we can't fix it right away and there's a process. God uses that pain to conform us into the image of Christ. And as you read it through the Bible and you see what God did in Hannah through her despair, when you see what God did in David in his years where he was suffering emotionally, there was a transformation of character as he walked with God and the heart of God was in communion with the heart of the man and there was a a sinking of the two, a Christ-likeness that happens. And so God uses the emotional difficulties that we go through in order to change us on the inside to remove the heart of stone and to give to us a heart of flesh, to make us Christ-like. Our emotions are the invisible nerves that attach the heart of man to the heart of God. And they're, they're important for that. They also, the emotions, they direct us into his will for our lives. Noah, what, what's your plan for me, God? There's going to be destruction in your lifetime. There's going to be a major incident that's going to wipe out 99.99999% of the human population. And I want you to be ready for it. <gasps> the fear. And it drove him to the place where he say, God, what do I do? And God said, good, I'm glad you asked. I've got something for you. And so the, um, the things, as we bring them to God, he then gives us direction and it reveals the purpose that he has for our lives. He teaches us valuable truth through it. And and our emotions cause us to experience him relationally. And so our emotions are important because they're bringing us somewhere. They're telling us something. They're linking us to the heart of God. They're uncomfortable at times. Yes, absolutely, without a doubt. But it's in that pain 
that good things happen. In fact, that was a quote. Uh, I was listening to um, an interview with a guy named Rich Froning, who was four times, uh, four years in a row, the fittest man in the world. And he was being interviewed about uh, what that takes. And it was an interesting interview because he said that it's not physical. He says, I'm not genetically any better than anybody else. He says, it's all mental. He says it's all in the mind because the body will follow the mind. But he said, he said this in the interview, and I don't even think he realized that he said it. But he said that when it hurts, good stuff happens. When it hurts, good stuff happens. And there's truth in that, is that when we experience the, the, the unsettledness of, of the emotions that are designed by God to do something in us, good stuff happens. You know, God wants to use them. So our emotions are a powerful tool and they're trying to tell us something to help us. But without the interpreter, without God, we're going to be confused. They're going to be random feelings that aren't going to make sense. They're going to drive us to do things that are either not helpful or that hurt us in the long run. The emotional system is given to us by God to link us to him as a way to get our attention and then strengthen the communication and then inspire us to proper action. And if we ignore them, or if we numb them, or if we cover them, then we're the ones that miss out. God is going to use these things in our lives. And so we are emotional because we're made in his image, and it is in that very thing that we experience God the most. But it must be the person of God and the word of God that interprets for us. And without that, we're going to make a mess of things. Thanks for joining us for the Pastor Nick Santo podcast. To regularly receive these teachings, be sure to subscribe so you can get it automatically when it's released. If you find this material helpful, please share it and help us get the message of Jesus out to others. We also appreciate your feedback. So if you would, leave us a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at pastor.nickpc at gmail.com. Until next time, may you continue to love, learn, and live the way of Jesus.